Rochester today. Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM with Mike Mike Doherty of the Minnesota Department of Transportation. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. I appreciate you taking this time every month to bring us up to date on what's happening as far as our state transportation system is concerned. And of course, this time of the year is uh, yeah, it's pretty busy for you guys. It is lively, yes. It's uh, Mother Nature uh, exceeds to it. Yeah, we uh, we locally had kind of a strange January weather event this week with all the ice and the slush and the melting and the refreezing. And I imagine your crews are out constantly with this. Yeah, they've been going, you know, with these events, they'll work 12-hour shifts, so they work from mid, you know, there's a crew that works from midnight to noon and noon to midnight, um, you know, and I think kind of the shine has worn off, uh, you know, they're always itching to get out and start plowing at the beginning of the season, but once they get into it, it's it's pretty tough, and if you think about even, you know, a couple weeks back, you know, with the Christmas holiday um, and all that, they were working through that a lot, and um, you know, kind of reminded them that they were helping folks get to their family gatherings and celebrations, but they, they note too, that they'd like to get to theirs as well. Right. So it's, it is tough, but they, they do put in long hours and, and, you know, they really do care about keeping these roads travelable because they do, I think, often think about their own family that are using them as well. I think too, the, uh, I mean, obviously it's, it's physically tiring to drive the rig 12 hours, but I'm thinking of how the mental fatigue must hit after a certain number of hours because of the concentration level you have to have to to keep that blade on the edge of the road and keep, you know, keep everything where it's supposed to be. Exactly. And, and like you say, you know, there's it's challenging weather conditions that we're often counseling others not to go out in and we're sending these folks out. Um, and these big trucks, they can slide off the road and, and occasionally do. And, you know, they're not happy about it, but they're trying to, you know, stay at that edge, keep it as, as clear as possible. And and sometimes like, you know, the, the heavy slushy stuff that we had this week, um, that can kind of really pull on those blades more, um, you know, create some torque and some push, um, you know, and pull them in different ways that they're not always accustomed to. So it's it is challenging, and it's, um, you know, one guy was talking about just that fatigue. Um, he was getting close to wrapping up his shift, and it was like, I don't know, 4.30 or so in the morning, and he was coming down I-35 on this one, and and all of a sudden he sees something moving, and it's a person walking down the shoulder of the road, you know, in a big snowstorm, and it was somebody who'd gotten an argument and got out of the vehicle and, um, you know, some drama there, but he was just counting his blessings. They said, I could have been looking up at my radio, checking my, you know, you know, looking instead, he was very focused. And he said, it was still at that hour where you're going, boy, it's kind of, it's still dark and I've been going and, and, but he, he caught this motion and wow. slowed down. Yeah. And he, Gave the individual a ride to a convenience store where they could charge their phone and call for a ride home. And uh, but he was, yeah, he said, "Wow, it could have been really a horrible thing." But you know, 
it reminded me again of just keeping my eyes on that road, no matter what, even if I'm feeling tired or whatever. So that must have been one heck of an argument to get you to climb out of a car in that weather. Yeah, he said he didn't he didn't pry too much into the details. He just no. offered to give a ride to a a warm shelter place and um, help them from there. Well, another story related to the holiday storms. A friend of mine, probably not the best idea, decided to try to make a trek to eastern Iowa for a holiday gathering and got as far as the Rochester airport going down 63 and saw one of the MnDOT trucks in the ditch and said, yeah, I think I'm turning around at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to maybe say, you know, they're because of the airport there, they're, they have to kind of minimize there. There can't be any, you know, trees and stuff. So there's, we see some, some really crazy drifting there right? Um, that they really, they monitor and they know, but um, during that, I know there was, it was getting down to about a single lane through there. And I thought you were going to mention that because that's the one where you see some just amazing sculpted drifts and, big thing you know things that look like they're from out on the prairies but um it is right there because of the airport because of the you know they have to keep everything low to the ground another question for you on this so obviously we saw an event that impacted travel in this area but nowhere near as severely as what they saw in southwestern minnesota central even the twin cities Mm -hmm. the power utility companies often send crews off do you guys ever do that, or there's ever a shifting of crews? You know, on occasion, you know, if it's, um, you know, I think back like that. I think it was about the twenty, the twenty nineteen one, maybe um, blizzard where it was pretty widespread, but it was kind of through the southern tier, maybe. And um, I know, like our metro folks and some of the other districts that had equipment and personnel that run these snow blowing machines um that take some expertise and some training um they came down to assist um and it's always touch and go because you know they don't want to leave their district high and dry if something right. else comes blowing in um and where do you put you know where do you house these guys and how long are they going to be here and you know how do they get fuel you know there's a lot of stuff but we ha- we do see that that sort of mutual assistance um, that comes into play um, periodically. Not, I wouldn't say every year, but I think um, you know our folks are always checking in with whoever seems to have it worse, so to speak. Um, you know, do you need any help? Do you need, need any personnel equipment? Um, and most of the time, they're pretty good. But sometimes, like in those where we just had, you know, if you remember, I think almost all the state highways in our in southeast Minnesota were closed down, and a lot were like those large drifts that you just can't plow a, a snow plow through you need those big snow go snow throwers um that can get in there and um just methodically you know move it and get it out of the way and create an opening and so we did get some help i think it was from metro and maybe even district seven over the mankato area um that had some folks that could mm. could lend some of that um so it is it is a good organization they do always look to help um whether it's you know near or far within the state of minnesota well, when this kind of weather does occur, one of the most useful tools that I access is that 511 app or website. 
and multiple times per day. And I always, I always laugh at my my children who ask me, well, what are the roads like? And so-and-so, I'm like, of course I can tell them because I'll pull up the app. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, you do have the smartphone on your, you know, the app on your phone too. Uh, whatever. Just a curmudgeon dad type of insurance, right? Yeah. I, I've slowly gotten my kids to start looking at it too, just, you know, because they'll do the same thing. Like, well, what do you think? I want to go to the cities and visit some friends and like, uh, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, it's it's a great resource. And I always tell people, you know, give it a look right before you go so you can you can see what what awaits you. Um, you know, you got the traffic cameras that are, you know, pretty much up and down 52 now. Yep. Um, if, if you get over on 35, it's the same way. Um, we're getting more on Highway 14 to the west of here, so that'll be a um, another thing. And then periodically we've got some, you know, across our district. Um, and then the snowplow cameras are another one. That, that visual, I think that's the big thing is I ran into a number of people that have said, oh, I, you know, I look at those snowplow cameras to see what those guys see. Because, yeah, I mean, you're the camera is looking right over the hood and the blade of the snowplow, so you can see – what those folks are, you know, encountering. And then it's got, you know, the color-coded, you know, conditions that can tell you it's partially covered, completely covered, you know, no travel advised or seasonal um, good condition. Um, you know, it's got weather warnings. Uh, and you can actually personalize. I've run into a couple of people that are trying to adjust their alerts. They get alerts sent to them based on what what roads they want to travel. Oh, really? Um, yeah. And I have to go back and look to see because some were having a hard time, you know, minimizing or reducing, you know, they, they wanted to get the you know, the alerts during a time period for a road. And now they're like, I don't care. Any, I don't, I'm not, I'm not travel traveling that. now. Yeah. I, don't care. <laughs> I went to my family. I traveled. I don't, I'm not going to travel. That. How do I shut these off? And so, but you know, that's, could have that worse be, problems. So, yeah. That would be a first world problem right there. Exactly. Yeah. I can't get the road travel alerts to shut up on my phone. <laughs> but it is, it is good in, you know, you can look to like if there are weather related crashes, any sorts of things that we do see, you know, here and there. Um, you can look and, and then start factoring that in like, oh, you know, is there another route that I can get around this or do I wait? Uh, because I'm just going to be going in and either be stopped on the highway or get rerouted around. And it's great in the summer too. Like you, we've talked before, you know, just, it's got construction on there, crashes, any kind of, you know, natural disasters, you know, we, and we see in this part of the, the state, you know, flooding, um, you know, trees can come down if you're in bluff country, you know, stuff like that, landslides, you know, you name it, we've got it. And so, um, if that impedes traffic, that that pops up on the map, and it's a good thing to know before you go. I noticed you added this year, um, at least on the website version. I'm not sure in the, the app version, uh, weather. Um, yeah, you can do a weather feature. overlay like any of the war- yeah. warnings. Yeah, they've had that now for a bit, but it's probably a little more. Pro- I think lately it's been more prominent because of all the, you know, advisories and warnings and things. But yeah, then you can kind of see, oh, you know, that's. That's out west of us. I'm not going to go that way, or it's it's going to you know overlap where I'm headed, and maybe I ought to check a little more closely. Right. Yeah, it's a fantastic tool. And you point out the plow cams. That's one that I access a lot during this type of weather, and 
Like I said, if one of the children is considering traveling, I'll pull up a plow cam pic of what's going on and where the highway is. I go, do you really want to go there? (laughs) This is what it looks like right now. Yeah. (laughs) Make an informed decision. Yeah, it does. It helps you a little further. And then that's what I always note too, is like we all have different driving abilities and experiences and we know what those are. So we can say, yeah, yeah, you know, I've got a four wheel drive and I can, you know, or boy, I, I don't really want any part of that. I'm going to stay at home. And, but you know, you can make those individual decisions rather than just sort of, you know, the general forecast is here. What does that mean for me? And the older we get, more often it is, yeah, that's not for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're talking with MnDOT Mike, Mike Doherty with the Minnesota Department of Transportation. We do have to take a break. We on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health Minute. I'm Andy Brownell, along with Mike Doherty, Minnesota Department of Transportation. On Newstalk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Mike, I see you've, well, MnDOT's always adapting technology, but there's a new piece of technology. Is it a a testing phase that's taking place here in southeastern Minnesota? Well, they've used it a little bit elsewhere, but it's it's new to us. Um, uh, It's a a sensor that, that looks at a lot of conditions on the pavement over on Highway 61 south of Winona, kind of in that um, the Lamoille, Homer, you know, south of Homer. So area. Where it's kind of it's twisty <laughs> there. In that area. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird. If you look on the map, you'll see in the road, the bluff kind of juts out. So instead of being more of a north-south road, it almost becomes an east-west road. And that's where you get that bluff hangs up there and creates a lot more shade. Um, from. And so we've seen through the years people sliding off the road, you know, those types of crashes where um, looking back, people say they weren't aware that there could be icy conditions in that area because where they were traveling from either north or south of there, the road was clear, it was sunny, um, but they get into there and they, you know, slide off the road. In some cases, it ended up being, you know, a significant crash and talking with like the fire departments down in that area that go to the emergencies they were saying, what can you do? What can you do to help? Um, you know, we looked at a variety. We looked at some uh, surfacing that could create better friction, and that didn't really seem to do much. Um, so this is a, a sensor. It's got camera, and it it it's pointed at the pavement, and it calculates a variety of conditions, what, what it can see on the surface of the road. Um, you know, it looks at, like, temperature, um, precipitation, all those sorts of things, and then says it's likely that icy conditions could exist. So it, it starts a flasher. So it's a, you see that, you know, it's the the symbol with a car with the little squiggly lines, well, sure. kind of, you know, icy type thing. And then it says when flashing. So when it's flashing, that's to give you, and it's only in about um, a six mile area, um, but it, we're hopeful that that will provide folks with that just that additional warning that if it's you know if you drive through once and it's not flashing yep and then when it is flashing that says oh you know hey it could be i'm going to slow down i'm going to be a little more alert um 
and it just started working in the fall. We got kind of caught up in some of these uh, supply chain things, getting it all functional. Um, we'd hoped to like the previous year, but it you know got snagged up in that. But it's working now. Our folks are monitoring it and kind of being able to. They'll probably you know assess and and maybe do some recalibration depending on the feedback they hear from say our snowplow operators that say. Um, it's flashing it, all the time. Yeah, it was flashing all the time. Or boy, we were out there pushing stuff and it didn't, or you know, whatever. They'll they'll provide some of that feedback so our folks can take a look. They can they can go on and uh, take a peek at it and see. And and we're hopeful that that'll that'll help um, correct you know the crash situation that we were seeing down there. You know, it wasn't like people sliding off every day. But, you know, enough frequency and enough concern that we wanted to do something. And um, and it is one of those things that it reminds me of a lot of our signs that have those beacons that flash. Um, the key word, the key sign on there is when flashing, you know, because you'll see something and it'll say something's happening. But then at the bottom, it says when flashing. Yeah. So so it's, um, you know, that's, the- that's always the key. Is that a fairly costly option to deploy something like that, or is it? Um, uh, what I'm thinking is, if it works well there, is that something you might consider using in other places? Yeah, yeah, it's. I, I I'm trying to remember what the price tag was on that. Um, it's certainly less than, like, you know, construction like fully ripping apart, but um, a lot of it depends on what kind of connection you can get. Like, is there fiber optic? Um, so that's why that's good. Like when we're putting in these other cameras and things, um, having those the fiber yeah. optic option that can you know provide the data. Whereas if it's cell phone, that can be spotty, especially when you get over in that bluff country um, along the river. You can get you know around some curves and um, not get a good connection. So that's one of the things they're looking at too. Is just what types of technology work best to keeping the best connection. Um, but yeah, I think in all these, we always look ahead of um, if this works well, are there other places where we could replicate this or, or could you utilize this uh, to improve safety? I can see though on the flip side of the coin would be that, and I've seen it with other technologies too, that it might give a person a false sense of security when it's not flashing. Yep. And that's that's the key is is really, um, you know, you still need to trust your senses, your driving abilities. Um, you can't abdicate, you know, that authority to it. some something that's based on a bunch of mathematical equations, you know, essentially to. Uh, and that's that's the worry. Like we have these um, rural um, intersection conflict warning. They call them Rickwis, you know, and you'd see it. Yep. It was like um and they're slowly phasing those out as they become, as they just don't operate anymore because they weren't seeing that they were, they were getting some benefit, but not, not the, the size of, you know, return on investment, I guess more is okay. the way to say it. Um, so, but that was the concern there is like, if you came up and it wasn't flashing and yeah, you still need to stop at that stop sign and look both <laughs> ways, just like you learned in driving school, but that was the concern is if somebody was in a hurry, you know, on a rural road, they kind of, I don't see anything coming. It's not flashing and then barrel out there and then have a T-bone crash. That is what we're trying to prevent. So 
that's always the worry with some of that is that people, you know, don't don't that that's one slice of information that you should use right. in the whole pie, you know, really looking at things. All right. Mike Doherty with the Minnesota Department of Transportation, as we like to call him in that Mike is with us this morning on Rochester today. We do have to take a break for news. We will return in a moment on News Talk 1340, K-R-O-C-A-M and 96.9 FM. If you're like most Americans, you can see things are out of control. Today, Andy Brownell, News Talk 1340, K-R-O-C-A-M and 96.9 FM with Mike. It's Mike Doherty from the Minnesota Department of Transportation. And I know you wanted to talk about, um, what do you call those things now? The, the trucks. Yeah, but there's a technical <laughs> term for them, right? Yeah, we at one time we were calling them reduced conflict intersections and... Um, yeah, uh, R cuts and, you know, I, I think MnDOT's kind of just decided that J-turn's going to be the, you know, it's sort of a visual. You can kind of yes. envision that way. And and like everything, there are variations to it all, but generally they, that's how they look and how they operate. And and just felt like, you know, as we're looking, you know, still we're, we're months away from construction season, but, um, you know, we're going to start seeing more uh, J-turns in our area and across the state uh, because they're a good safety option um, at intersections where, you know, either we don't have the funding or it's just the traffic isn't such that we can justify spending uh, a large amount on an interchange. And it's typically at, you know, our these four lane state highways that are, you know, adjoined by county roads from the side. And so the best example would be down by Kellogg, right? That's what you used at yes. yep. 61. Yeah. 60, and, 60 and 61, yeah. yeah. And, and that's a pretty good one there. And the, the design keeps evolving so that they're they're even more you know, effective and more, I think, responsive to the drivers getting across because people were concerned about, you know, they it's it's to basically cut down your 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 um risks that you encounter as you move out into an intersection. If you think like you come up to a, a traditional T intersection and if you're crossing a four lane highway, you know, you've got to look left to cross two lanes coming at you and then look right to two more lanes. And that's just a lot of things to keep track of. This way, as you come up from the inter- the side intersection, um, you kind of have a curve turns to go right. Like even if you want to go left or all the way across the intersection, you have to go right um, and you can get into a third lane off of the main line pretty much from your turn. You may so have like to, an acceleration lane. Yeah, essentially, except it's on the far left. So, so uh you know, you, you get there and then you can turn, you go up ahead and you go to a U-turn in the median and then you can start coming back. And it, it varies like one that we built um, just north of Red Wing. Like if you're going to Treasure Island Casino, it's County Road 18. Um, folks that utilize that one, there is an acceleration lane coming south after you've made that first turn across to turn back around. Um, not all of those have it, but in that U-turn that you make in the middle, then you can you can size up traffic coming at you and either cut all the way across, like if you're going to make, you know, 
go continue on that county road that crossed there, you can get right over into that turn lane um, or, you know, accelerate and get going out into the left lane as traffic is coming that opposite direction. And at first, it, it's always a little awkward and weird, but, um, you know, we've seen that it, it greatly reduces the, the fatal um, crashes. I think the, you know, the studies show that it's like 70% reduction in uh, fatal crashes and a 42% reduction in injury crashes where they put in these um, J-turns. Um, but I kind of call them the, they're kind of the new roundabout because, you know, if you recall early on when people were seeing roundabouts, you know, their hair was on fire. It was the, you know, the. Well, there's still some who are still there. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but as more people have become accustomed to those roundabouts, you know, they're they're like them. They see the, have the function. We have communities now that approach us and say, can you build a, a roundabout um, at our, you know, like we saw that up at Wanamingo, um, uh, Goodhue, um, some of those places that have seen crashes and recognize that those roundabouts are safety, um, you know, devices. And that's the same way with these J-turns. So one of the ones that people will see coming up in the 2023 construction season is at Highway 14 and County Road 3, which is just to the east of Byron there. And, you know, we've had issues yes, um, with have. crashes there. And again, it's uh, people trying to, to make it all the way across um, or misjudging, you know, for whatever reason, they just don't see that oncoming vehicle um, or misjudge the speed. And that's the hard thing, too, is you think about it is. You know, we're driving in town at, you know, 25, 30, 40, whatever. And then some of those folks, that's almost doubling the speed out on the highway. I mean, they're coming at 60, 65, 70, exceeding, you know, the speed limits. Um, and that closes that gap quicker. And so the J-turn gives you that that opportunity to look one way, make that movement across, get to the U-turn, then assess that again. Um, they also work with semis. I mean, even though semis have a, you know, a slower starting up and get going again, um, they're able to get across into that that turn lane to get to that median turn. Um, if they're going to continue on across on that county road, they have like a, they call it a loon because it's, if you made the, the full turn out of that U-turn, there's space onto the, the shoulder on the right side for the truck to make that full turn movement and then it can get into the the right turn lane to continue on up the the county road or continue so um some people want to quibble and say oh it's really hard for a truck and saying well if they so it's going across the intersection so yeah and the median it's rare that the median is wide enough that they can stop in the middle um so once that truck commits um, they've got to get all the way across and everybody has, it's coming, you know, at them has to either slow down or be alert. Um, you know, the trucker doesn't want to be out in that difficult situation, but that's the reality of how their vehicle functions. So this works better, but it's very different. And that's the thing is we're going to really try to get folks to, to learn more and understand. And, and the big thing is just driving through them, I think is getting more functional. So from the way you described it, the, the key to this whole thing is when I'm going into that sweeping right turn off of the smaller road mm-hmm. onto the larger road, I'm yielding and I'm looking, 
until I see a gap and I'm immediately flipping over across the two lanes Yes. to that third lane that's going to take me to the U-turn. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And then you some get people to think the... I'm going to accelerate and merge over. No, you're waiting for a gap is what you're waiting yep. for. Yeah. It's like you do when you cross the highway. You look for a gap. You know, it's a... Right. Um, so you're using those same skills. It's just in slightly different turns. And then when you do get to that U-turn, you're you're facing the traffic that's coming at you. So you you can recognize where is that gap again? You know, am I going to do the full U-turn and then and get on the main highway and go the opposite direction? Or do I just want to get across to continue on the county road that crosses that highway? And so there you can make that a judgment there of how much gap you need, how much acceleration you need. And it does give some room then as well for traffic to stack up. Yes. A little bit in that median third lane. Yep. Yeah. And often, too, I was thinking as we were talking, um, if you're on the main line and you want to make a left, um, it varies. But there are ones where you can you have a, a protected left turn so you can get into a left turn and still make it on, you know, left turn onto that county road um, there. Not all of them have it, but um, and those are kind of designed so that the cross traffic can't come up. There's like a a median there, like a curb, so that they can't try to cross there. They need to go up and do do the U-turn and come around that way. Um, and that just cuts down. And we, we've studied it and continue to study it um, and seeing the safety benefits there. Um, folks in Michigan, um, they use them a lot. You know, um, you know, there's some slight variations to them all, but um, yeah, they, they work. But it's just, I think, just getting folks more accustomed to it and realizing that it's, it'll take a few times to go through it. But look at the again, it's well signed. It gives you the directions if you, if you're really paying attention and 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 looking at it. And, uh, that County Road Three interchange in Byron that you're talking about it yep. is going to get one of these. Yes, I know one of the things I've experience there is when you're coming south on three wanting to take the left to go towards rochester on Mm -hmm. 14 the traffic stacks up big time yes and i think people feel pressure to go because the traffic's stacking up and i think that contributes to the problem yeah and i wish i had uh the video but our folks you talk about the, the traffic stacking up on the side also in the median um it's I call it kind of the the turtles on a log view. Sure, I guess. Yeah, they're they start, you know, a couple want to turn, you know, left from one direction and some want to and pretty soon and you got a couple that are coming from the side road and, you know, they're they want to get out there because then at least they can get across quicker. And suddenly you can get four or five vehicles stacked that way. And then you're starting to go, OK, who's going for who's crossing first? Was it me that it was there first? And. It, and that just that's these J turns help kind of, you know, bring some order back to that because it is a recipe for for, you know, a disaster um, crash. And, you know, we're that's why we want to get that these high in. speed T-bone yes. collision that people yep. get really seriously hurt or killed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that angle and the high speed. That's where it happens. You know, if it's some low speed, um, you've got a better chance. But yeah. I mean, and people have talked about. You know, that's a heavy commuter route and, um, you know, people aren't always following the speed limits and 
and that creates some challenges. We have to take a break already. We're talking yep, to yep. Mike, Mike Doherty with the Minnesota Department of Transportation on Rochester Today. News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. This is the Family Service Rochester Mental Health. We're back with MnDOT Mike, Mike Doherty, Minnesota Department of Transportation on Rochester Today. I'm Andy Brownell and it is News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Uh, a few minutes ago, you briefly brought up the R word, roundabout. Mm-hmm. And um, we're getting more roundabouts. Is that what you're going to tell me? Yeah. You know, it, it, depending on where you're driving, um, you know, I was thinking if you're over in the, the Casson area, um, we did a project started on Highway 57 there that goes north south, uh, you know, from Casson up to Manorville. And right in town, uh, we started a reconstruction project that that wrapped up for the season. And this coming this year now, I guess, um, we will be putting in like the second phase of that project and it'll be two roundabouts uh, kind of down at the main street area, just kind of on either side of the railroad tracks there. And we think that'll be a a good thing. Somebody noted to me and I I hadn't thought about until then, but that will be removing the last traffic signal in Dodge County. Is that Um, right? Yeah. I said, you know, you're right. That's uh, I had to kind of do a quick scan in my head and it was like, yeah, that's the last one. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, and the interesting thing is that's our project that we worked with the city on. Um, the city is using um, some, some state funds as a local uh, partnership project um, up at, at, by the high school at Casson Manor, the Casson Manor High School if you know they're on 57, they're going to be putting in a roundabout there as well next season. So, um, you know, in the course of basically from summer to fall, Casson's going to get three roundabouts uh, in. And um, they can put a sign coming into the city limits, roundabout capital of Minnesota. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They'd have to. We were compiling the other day capitals of Minnesota that exist in our district and um that, you know, and that's just it. And the interesting thing is, you know, the roundabouts, um, that one up by the high school, that is what a lot of people were asking if that's what could be put in because it's a challenging, it's a T intersection with Highway 57 going north-south. And then, the, you know, from the school, you get a lot of turn movements, you know, a lot coming in, you know, during the morning and then a lot leaving at night or or after sporting events. And so we think that'll be a, a good, safe addition um, not only for the the motorists, but um, it's good for for pedestrians crossing there because it provides some additional sure. design that that helps you cross, you know, before the motorist gets to the the inter- the roundabout, and then they have sort of a an island or median that the the pedestrian can stand on before they have to cross the second lane. So it's it's it provides a lot of um, extra safety elements there for pedestrians but those that's those are ones there and then um we're looking at one up on highway 58 at goodhue and county road nine where there have been some crashes and then um i believe it's in boy is it 20 20 we're at 2023 already mike yeah 2024 or 2025 uh next couple years anyway It'll be one up at it's what's now Highway 63, 75th Street, um, in County Road uh, 112. Okay. Um, it's like if you're going to Sargent's yep. up up on the north end, 
Um, we're going to be putting one in there. Um, it's that's a couple years out still, though. But um, we were talking about the one on 63, you know, over um, just north of Rochester. That was one of our early ones in the Rochester area on state highways. And there was a lot of hue and cry about it and questions about our our patriotism and everything else. <laughs> um, but then lo and behold, as people drove them, they they started to see the benefits, especially because you get a lot of traffic heading to Lake City, you know, people pulling boats. Um, you know, I remember before that was in there, there was a school bus coming down, like with the band for a, a tournament in Rochester that skidded off the road because somebody pulled out in front of them. And um, you got Rochester sand and gravel that runs a gravel pit there. They're suddenly seeing that their vehicles, you know, are much more efficient. They're getting back to their destination when they can estimate they aren't sitting there waiting for traffic to cross or waiting at a, at a stop sign for a gap in traffic. Um, they utilize that much better. And, and I, I think overall, I haven't seen the crash stats of it lately, but, um, you know, the crash history on that just dropped precipitously. Oh. Um, so. I, I always remember that when I drove that stretch, you know, your hands grip the steering wheel a little tighter and yeah. you're, you're ready to act because I've had more than a few times vehicles pull out. Yeah, I know. You and I have talked about a variety of intersections that we know in this region that that's yeah. your heart rate gets up, you're, you're gripping and you're you're just watching and you're watching the tires. Are those tires stopping and not rolling ahead? And, um, you know, it's it's just a little stressful and, and roundabouts kind of can reduce that stress because they of their design. So the big one in the region now, and I haven't, I haven't gone through it yet, is the 43 and 61 at Winona, yep. which is a multi-laner. Yep. Yeah. How's, yeah. how's that gone over down there in Winona? You know, pretty well overall. I mean, they're, the people are kind of still debating a little bit of, um, you know, wh- the, the politeness of drivers, I, I would call it, um, and just people figuring out that, that a two-lane roundabout of, you know, if you're in the middle, if you're in the, inside lane you're using that to kind of make further turns and and when do you enter and but i think you know i haven't heard much in the last month you know since we had it open that early on it people were were quibbling about um trucks and things and um, i think they've all kind of adjusted and then as you go north on 43 into winona you hit three more roundabouts those are um more single lane ones but lots of the longtime drivers there said Oh, wow, I get through there so much faster now. I'm not waiting at stoplights. You know, I'm not, you know, basically wait at stoplight to drive up to a next stoplight to drive, you know, before it was just sort of like the drag strip of, you know, green, go and up to the red and then wait. And and now they just travel through quite well. They have a little bit of work to finish up um, in spring when it gets warm again in the medians. They're, they didn't get some concrete work done. Um, so there'll be some minor work but all in all it's uh it's really uh it's turned out well all right we've got to run mike all right already chewed up our uh, available time i imagine next time we talk we might be ready to talk about the upcoming construction season we'll start talking about that hopefully we'll have some named snow plows we can talk about oh that's right um so yeah if folks kind of watch in the next couple weeks i think there'll be a a bigger list of of 
options people can choose from and vote. You know, make sure you vote on your favorites. And then hopefully by the time we talk uh, in February, uh, we'll have a, a name snowplow for our district to add to um, Edward Blizzard hands and, and Snowby One Kenobi down here. And I'm just hoping we can have it parked all the way through summer and we don't have to use it at all this winter yes, yet. Yes, so that, yes. That'll be my wish. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time, Mike, and uh, and I look forward to our next opportunity. Thank you yep. very much. Yeah, Happy New Year. Mike Doherty, Minnesota Department of Transportation on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM.